Hello, sexiness, <laughs> and welcome to Roman Emperor's Sexy Totalis Sexy Rankium. Sexy, I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven. and this is, I'm just going to get this out of the way, it's Valentine's Day. It is Valentine's it's Day. It's just to explain what, what on earth that just was. <laughs> Oh, oh no, I did that because it's also your birthday, Rob. It is also my birthday. Special birthday and episode for on me. Air. Surprise oh, wow. On air, you're actually going to give me a present. I wrapped it myself. I didn't know you could get these this size. <laughs> Tell me how it tastes. Three settings. Yeah. Oh, no, no. No, this is actually looking far better than that. This is looking like... <gasps> it is. It's whiskey. Whiskey. It's a whiskey I've never had. 1792... Yes! Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. I thought, you know, links to our American podcast. It does. It's it a does. small batch as well, so it's a, it's not one that's, you know, probably won't be here in a few years. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Fancy stopper. This is now turning into an episode of our whiskey uh, <laughs> podcast. Would you like a glass? I'm swigging from the bottle. <laughs> oh, ooh, that's nice. That's is nice. it? Do you want some? Yeah. Or is it bought it for you? <laughs> oh, smooth. Mm. Buttery. That's very nice. That's yeah, very nice. Yeah, so uh, happy birthday. Oh, thank you very much. And at the same time, happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But before we go in to today's episode, <laughs> we get started, shall I say, with uh, today's episode. Before we get stuck in. Yes. Let's, uh, let's recommend a podcast, shall we? Yeah. And this one, this one's a special one, because we have been guest on this podcast, not once but twice. Yes. It's a fantastic podcast called Wonders of the World. Andrew, who does this podcast, was kind enough or foolish enough to let us uh, rabbit on for a bit on his <laughs> podcast. Yeah, uh, but I'll, I'll let him explain it. And um, we've we've chosen someone with a quite sexy voice because it's Valentine's Day. Ooh, yeah. So uh, take it away, Drew. Hello, listeners of Totalis Rankium. You don't have to be an iconoclast like Leo the Asaurian or have had your nose cut off despite your face like Justinian the Second to know that much of what gives a Roman emperor high rankings in successus ultimus is what he, or she, as we'll soon discover, can build. That's where I come in. I'm Drew Varenkamp, host of a podcast you might enjoy, The Wonders of the World. Join me as I visit the great places on Earth to tell the story of our people, our civilization, and our planet. I started with the original seven wonders like the Great Pyramid, and over the course of my show, I'll take you to many other amazing places around the world, and share the story of how they came to be, the people who built them, travel tips on how to visit today, and even what to eat when you're there, because, come on, you gotta eat. Rob and Jamie have actually helped tell those stories on two occasions, as we discussed Septimius Severus, Stabby Stabby Caracalla, and poor Geta on an episode about Severus's hometown of Leptis Magna. They also helped talk about Diocletian and the rise and fall of the Tetrarchy on an episode about his retirement palace in Split. Currently, we're in the early Middle Ages, so look for more Eastern Roman fun to come. In the meantime, I'll turn this back over to Rob and Jamie as they take you through the bonkers goings-on in Constantinople. Thanks. Oh, what a voice. It's a good voice, isn't it? Ooh. Good voice. Ooh. And a very good podcast. 
check it out. Yes. It's like a, a romp through the world. Yeah. That's what it is. It's not like boring and linear and, and one-dimensional like ours where you just focus on one place. It's just everywhere. Oh, yeah. With some food. Right, okay. Let's get into today's episode, shall we? Yeah. Constantine Six. The sixth Constantine. Oh, yes. Irene's son. No, the son. seventh. You keep going. Oh, for goodness <laughs> sake. Irene's son. I know that. Irene's son. We're not going to go into a huge amount of detail with him because obviously we've already covered this story before. We Ooh. already know what happens to Poor him. kid. Yeah. But now we get to see it from his perspective. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. My eyes! <laughs> yeah. Um, I used to be able to see. It's so dark. Well, <laughs> I'm scared of the dark. But yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see him in a, a bit of a, a better light. But, sorry, bad choice of words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Another light. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, we'll see, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Let's do this. He was born in 771 to Emperor Leo IV and Empress Irene, as you correctly remembered there. Well done. He was born in the Purple Room. Oh, yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, it's a room that was uh, the Purple Room because he was born to the Purple. He was obviously an interior decorator who took things very literally. Oh, yeah. everything. Everything was purple. Everything. Everything. Could only eat purple things in that room. Ribena. Aubergine. Aubergines. Eggplant. Yeah, that's it. Aubergine Yeah, that's all you could eat. Make a heck of a stew, wouldn't it? Yeah. Right, this... Of course, if you remember, is the room where he was possibly killed. Certainly the room where he was eventually blinded. That's beautifully poetic. Oh, yeah, full circle with Constantine. It's, life it's life begins and life can't see anymore. Life begins and ends in a purple room with lots of blood and screaming. <laughs> and an aubergine. Troll <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> Valentine's Day. Right, if you remember, his father was hesitant to crown his child Constantine Emperor. He was a little bit worried. He was uh, worried his half-brothers were going to take the crown. Do you remember Nikephoros and Christophorus and the other three brothers? Yes. Who I never bothered naming. Yeah. Yeah. The, the problematic brothers, shall we say. So, yeah, Leo's a bit worried about that. Doesn't want to crown little Constantine co-emperor. But after getting assurances that the people would not overthrow Constantine if he were to die, Constantine was indeed named co-emperor at the age of five years old. Aww. We know nothing of his childhood. Presumably it was a good one. He's the heir to the, the throne. I mean, yeah, can't be that bad, surely. Well-educated. The yeah. best toys. Although daddy was ill, remember. Quite, quite a few coughing fits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like here you go. Listen, have a. Toy for you, while little Constantine wipes the blood away from his eye. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful moment. Yeah, sure enough, in 780, approaching 10 years old, his father died. Uh, if you remember, he put on that rusty French crown, and uh, <laughs> he, he died. The sepsis or something. Yeah, him. or it was the TB. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, Constantine VI was made emperor, but being too young meant he could not rule, so his mother took over as regent, as we have seen. Mm. So he would have witnessed his mother banish his uncles, and then would have been told that his uncles wanted to overthrow him and even kill him. Aww. Which is not really what you want to hear about Uncle Nicephorus. No. So a couple of years pass, and then little Constantine is informed that he is now engaged to the King Charlemagne's daughter, Rotrude. Oh, yeah. Meaning red. Ooh, Valentine's. <laughs> yeah. So, he's there, down in his teens. He's been promised a princess called Red. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> things things are, are, things are looking good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> a scholar was even sent to Frankia so uh, the princess could be educated properly, so she wouldn't seem too rough around the edges when she finally arrived. <laughs> I'm gonna read words. <laughs> That was the, the Frankier accent, bizarrely <laughs> enough, at the time. <laughs> anyway, we don't know how, and we only have Theophanes' word for it, but it would appear that Constantine VI was very much looking forward to this marriage. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> and then we skip forward a bit, so at the age of 16, Irene arranges the Second Nicene Council. Yeah. If you remember, icons were suddenly found to be, and here's the official line, OK. <laughs> All the hair Zeus adverts go down... Oh, look, it's Jesus. He's back. Oh, the oh, moustache fell off. Yeah. <gasps> Constantine presided over the final meeting, and he signed his name. But there was some indication that he was actually more in favour of the iconoclast movement, like his dead father. Either that or he just didn't really care about all this religious talk. Why, he's 17, new wife at home. No, he hasn't got his wife yet. Oh. Promised the wife. I get woodcuts at home. Woodcuts. <laughs> now, apart from that, we have very little on Constantine during his mother's regency. However, we can infer that behind the scenes, those opposing Irene and her iconophile reforms started to rally around the idea of Constantine becoming sole ruler. After all, that was always the plan, of course. Yeah, he's the emperor. Yeah, she is just regent. Now, the hope is, maybe we can influence the boy, get him out of the influence from his mother, maybe get a bit more iconoclasm going again. Yeah. Yeah, that might be fun. Now, we don't know how or even if they did contact him. Presumably there were members of the court that he had contact with involved. Yeah. I'm picturing lots of whispering in corridors. and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to kill them all. <laughs> yeah. However it happens, it appears that some start to suggest to Constantine that he could definitely do a bit better than follow his mother's advice all the time. Hmm. Come on now, you're an adult. Yeah. It's time you start living your own life. Yeah, you're 16 and a half, come on. Yeah. Now, if Constantine wasn't convinced to begin with, when Irene suddenly cancelled her son's marriage to Rotrude and set him up with a daughter of a very wealthy man from one of the themes, he began to get quite angry with his mother. But I've been learning to read! <laughs> I was writing letters and all, y'all! You can, you can see his frustration. Yes. We don't know why, but apparently he was not impressed with the new choice for him, which was a young lady called Maria. And for whatever reason, he wasn't happy. I mean, it probably just is a case of no one can live up to the idea of marrying a princess named Red, I imagine. Uh, yeah. 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 Anyway, despite being 17, he wasn't powerful enough to oppose his mother. So the new marriage went ahead. Constantine and Maria wed in a very formal way. They met in a church in the palace, and they sat and they read scripture to each other. Ooh. Sexy. Oh, yes. (laughs) Then, and I'll quote here, they held discussions with each other while the rulers watched from the special area. What? Yeah, I'm guessing they read scripture to each other, talked about it, while his mother and the other leaders in the city, sat and watched. I guess, maybe it's like, you know how, like, the president now has, like, a first dance and everyone just what Maybe yeah. it's that sort of thing. It's like, yeah. first meeting. Yeah, exactly. Make it official. Yeah. Rather than some sort of filthy thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it wasn't a filthy thing. I just think it's incredibly Weird. awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, a couple of months ago, he was marrying his princess named Red, and now he's sat in a room whilst everyone watches him whilst he talks about scripture. To, to someone he hates. Oh, look at this lovely chapter here. I hate you. <laughs> I yeah. really, really 
it's you. He said, but still smiling, so the people yeah. watching don't yeah, notice. Yeah, yeah. I want you to die. Theophanes states that Constantine wasn't happy about all this, and it would appear that the two never got on. No. Okay. Oh, okay. This was never a happy marriage. Perhaps due to this forced marriage, perhaps because he's just getting older, but Constantine starts to think about getting out of his mother's shadow. Mm. His mother wasn't the only problem, though. The eunuch Staracius, if you remember, he, he was essentially Irene's right-hand man. Right. And Constantine was convinced it's Staracius who is stopping anyone official from seeing him. Staracius is also the man who helped his mother decide on his new bride. In other words, Staracius had to go. <laughs> yeah. And mother needed to understand that he was the emperor, Stampfoot. Yeah, because well, cause I imagine by 17 you'd, you'd be well mature enough to be the emperor. Depends on who, though, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. You get the impression Elagabalus never would have been mature enough. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Whereas, um, but there must have been like an age level. Oh, yeah, yeah. That some 17-year-olds would have been able to cope. Yeah. Uh, but Irene, it would appear, was a very dominating force. Yeah. It was a shade of Nero here, in a way. Dominating mother. Yes, yes, very much so, actually. Maybe Constantine should have taken a leaf out of Nero's book. And killed her. <laughs> yeah, got, got that really elaborate out. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Just really bad plans. <laughs> like Nero's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eat this banana, mother. Potassium will kill you if you have enough. He bought so many bananas. Didn't work. No, it didn't. Rub that one off the blackboard. <laughs> But yeah, no, him and a few of his friends do indeed start to plot. Not to kill his mother. The plan is to seize Staracius and exile him to Sicily. And then, without his influence, his mother should be less dominating. That's the theory. However, this plot was soon discovered by Staracius, And he told Irene everything. And, as we saw, Irene then, upon hearing this, exiles Constantine's friends. Then slaps Constantine round the face... And banishes him to his room. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are, are grounded. <laughs> <gasps> to your room. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I, it, I just love we've... It, it's taken over a, over a century of episodes, but eventually we've got to the point where emperors are being grounded. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Oh, mom! <laughs> yes, you just know it was like that. Yeah, so Constantine seethes, but he could do little. No? Yeah, that, that little group he's managed to get around himself, uh, they're all gone, so he's got nothing left. All well, he can do is seethe in his room. And don his emo gear and write poetry. Yeah, exactly. Now, although his coup attempt had been pathetic, I mean, everyone agreed that. <laughs> so bananas are just not the way to go, so. <laughs> yeah. But it was the pebble that started the landslide. Yeah. Eventually, this does work in a way, because as we've seen, Irene attempts to then reinforce her rule. This spooks Irene quite a bit. So, she tries to get the army to swear oaths to her rather than her son. Hmm. And one section of the army refused and demanded that Constantine be sent to them. The first Constantine would have known about this, of course, would have been when he was sent for by his mother. He's finally let out of his bedroom, and uh, he was just told, you're off to the Armanaic theme. They've requested you. Don't come back and kill me, please, son. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much I've always loved you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're very much in the land of speculation here. Details are very, very thin. But it would appear that a man named Alexios, 
who we did mention briefly last time, uh, was behind this revolt. Soon after Constantine set off to meet the troops, he confirmed Alexios as general of the rebelling troops. It would uh, appear that Alexios used to be the general, but after Irene took over from her husband, she'd sacked him. So he's starting the coup because he's annoyed. And he's using Constantine as the figurehead. So the army, now that they've got their figurehead, marched on the capital, where Constantine had Storalkia seized and monked. And as for his mother, under house arrest. Constantine's now the ruler. He had enjoyed being with the troops, however. That was quite fun. Oh, yeah, this is where he gets his uh, goals to be a, a leader, oh, yes. isn't he? Oh, he's dear. in charge now. So he's now sole emperor, and this is pretty much where we're going to start thinking of him as real emperor. Right. Because he's, he's not been in charge no. up until now. So he's in charge. He's going to sort out the problems the empire faced. How hard can this be? <laughs> So he sets off with the army to face the Bulgars, who have been a raiding. Mm. After a while, they tracked down a raiding party. The two sides met. We have no details, but the following. There was a small battle around sunset. The Romans lost their courage because of nightfall. They ingloriously ran away. So they were scared of the dark. Yeah. <laughs> they bring my night lights with them. Yeah, I mean, that. Sir, can we have a candle? <laughs> That now is, go and fight. No, I don't want... That is a damning report of a battle, really. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, battle won. Lost. Yeah, brilliant. Soon after this, the Caliphate invades. They've noticed things were a bit weak. Again, next to no details. But it would appear that this is more of a raiding party than the Caliphate officially invading. So, Constantine sets off again. And soon afterwards, he returns to the capital. There's some suggestion that he had to pay the Arab troops off. So he didn't really fight, he just paid them off. Yeah. Which is what his mother had been doing, but he was supposed to be all about going and fighting. He obviously realised he couldn't. But you could argue also that's a good strategy. Although it looks really weak and pathetic, it it, it stopped everyone being killed. So. Well, there is that, yeah. However, by this time, there's a couple of things going on. Number one, his mother... Through other people had managed to convince Constantine that Alexios was actually plotting to usurp the throne. Yeah, you can't trust him, son. You can only trust Mummy Deary. <laughs> the Bulgars also, after their skirmish, were starting to mobilise. They were feeling a bit confident after that last battle. Yeah. They realised all they needed to do to defeat the Romans was wait till nightfall, and then <laughs> all run away whimpering, so... <laughs> Yeah, so they've they've started to mobilise. They were starting to raid even more. Now, as for number one, Constantine believed this completely, and Alexius was beaten and thrown into jail. As for number two, Constantine obviously set out once more with an army. Oh dear. Yeah. The Bulgars were feeling emboldened, like I said, and they gathered all their forces. Constantine, meanwhile, headed into Bulgar territory and set up a fort. The Bulgars approached, and also built fortified positions. I just started laughing. How how demoralising would that be, though? Like you're part of the Roman Empire, the Roman soldiers. And you just like, you built your fort. It's taking you like three days to do this, to carve, you know, chop down trees and build it up and stuff. And you're there. You've got like you know your army's consisting of like twenty people because that's what I'm imagining. Yeah. Then you look over the Bulgars across the river. And they've got this massive wooden palace that they've half-constructed, and they're just pointing and laughing at you. <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad. Uh, the Roman fortifications was actually 
far better. It was more of a permanent fort. They had pointy things. Yeah, but um, the Borgars, let's just say they had um, a general who knew what they were doing. Nah. (laughs) Yes. And that, in many ways, is even more important than who can build the better fort. (laughs) Very much so. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm afraid the, the Roman fort is fantastic from this angle, but behind, there's nothing there. Yes. It's like one of those Hollywood sets. <laughs> yes. well, as long as the Bulgars stay over there, <laughs> we'll be fine. Well, there was a standoff until Constantine was convinced by his advisors that he could easily win if he just left the fort and attacked. So leaves the fortified position. That's what forts are for. And, yeah. and attack. Yeah. However... The Bulgar leader, a man named Kardam, knew what he was doing. He set his men up strategically. He also had a secret weapon. Yeah, there was evidence that uh, a new weapon was being used in this battle. Bazooka. Not quite flame a bazooka. Thrower. Not a flamethrower. It Grenade. reminds me of the secret weapon from our very first episode. Bit of wood with a, with a nail, nail in it. Sort of. It's a stick mm. with a bit of rope on the end. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the rope is like a loop. Oh, like a dog, co- dog collar? Yeah. To train bad... Well, oh. how do you think they were useful? Round your neck. Sit, 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 <laughs> pull tighter. Sit, sit, pull tighter. Good boy. Release it a little Just bit. Train, sit. Train yeah. the Roman soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, this was a anti-cavalry uh, weapon. Horses. Horse legs. No, no, the, the horse, horse riders. A horse rider. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> You'd be riding through people and suddenly you find a, a noose round your neck and then Ooh. you're just yanked off your horse. Ooh. Yeah, nasty. Don't, don't be jerked off your horse. <laughs> you don't want to be jerked off your horse, even if it is Valentine's Day. So, the Roman charge was repelled and then order broke up. As they started to flee back to their fort, they realised that Kadam had a whole unit of cavalry waiting behind them. So they're all fleeing back and they suddenly realise, oh, there's more of them behind us. They just don't stop. (laughs) Yeah. The Roman forces were utterly wiped out. Overwhelmed, I'll put. Yeah. Constantine escaped, but faced a humiliating scene as he re-entered the capital. It's just him limping, like a sad horse. And Jeff. Oh. oh. Yeah. But Jeff looking remarkably clean in time. Oh, yeah. Jeff looking better than he's ever looked. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he just woke up just outside the <laughs> gates of Constantinople yeah. as Constantine was getting back. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going? Oh, you've been. <laughs> Did we win? Yeah, he, he's still convinced that one. <laughs> yeah. He's carrying a banner. <laughs> yeah, beaming. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Just waving at everyone. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, after his third and worst military defeat, I mean, this was a big defeat, this one, mm. and also after imprisoning Alexius, and also having lost many of his political allies in that battle, because a lot of his friends died. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And also, after having to start paying the Borgars a tribute, which they had to do after that battle. Oh, yeah, Dear. he he kind of found he had no political power left. Things were not going well. <laughs> you could say he's on shaky ground. He's he, not. He did what any sensible teenage boy would do. Mummy. He went to mummy. <laughs> Irene was let out of house arrest. Constantine was able to keep more power than he had before, as I've mentioned. Irene was forbidden to talk to the head of the excubitors, for instance. Yes. Yeah, uh, but his mother was very much back on the scene. Perhaps that's just as well. Because this is when the revolts start. Remember Nikephoros, Christophorus, and the other three that I never mention? 
They're plotting again. Word reach Irene and Constantine. And as we mentioned, Theophanes clearly states that it is Constantine who decides the punishment here. If you remember, Uncle Nikephoros had his eyes ripped out, whereas the other uncles had their tongues cut out. Ooh, eyes or tongue? Tongue, surely. Tongue, yeah, I think we decided that last week. Yeah, that's a cock. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah, but you could write a note down if you have your eyes ripped out. Also, just the pain on the day. I imagine the pain of your... And then again, there's so much blood. In- oh, it's all horrible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> anyway, he, he's ordered the mutilation of his uncles. Yes. After watching this, um, his mother and Stracius, who's out of exile by, by this point, convince him to also blind Alexius before the Armenaic theme demanded him back. Mm. So he does. Alexius is blinded. So, obviously, the Armenaic theme, upon hearing what's happened to their beloved general, go into full-blown revolt mode. Yeah. Yeah. Constantine sent out a force to put the revolt down, but the Armenaic theme captured the generals and blinded them. Excellent. Lots of blinding going on. Yeah. So, Constantine decides it's time to get serious. He would lead the troops. Well, the troops just... Turned around, shocked expression on her face. Spoon to mouth, like, oh my god. (laughs) He pulled men from all over the Empire to put down the troubles. We have next to no details, but amazingly, Constantine wins. That means he's the best general ever, because everyone else is holding him down in the battles, surely. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. His advisors. Well, perhaps it's simply numbers. He definitely would have had the numbers in this battle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 40,000 to take down 20, 20 revolters. That's overkill, you might say. <laughs> well, there was also some um, some trickery going on. The Armenic forces were also um, using some Armenian troops as auxiliary units. Apparently, the Armenian troops defected right at the start of the battle. Ooh. Yeah, so however that was achieved, that pretty much swung it. Yeah. For some reason, I can't help but feel that this is more... Starachius is doing yeah. than Constantine's. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm being unfair there. But anyway, Constantine wins, which is great. He then executed the leaders of a rebel army, confiscated the property of those lower down, hmm. and then, to set an example of the men, what do you think he did? Them? No. He took a thousand of them. Mm. He marched them back to the capital. Mm. Then he had the words Armenaic traitor tattooed on their faces. Okay. And then had them marched through the capital. Oh. After that, he exiled them to the various Greek islands in the empire. Nice. So there you go. Mass tattooing. We've not had that one before. No, it's, yeah. yeah. It's like a rock festival. <laughs> yes. As you can imagine, Constantine feeling a bit emboldened now. Yeah. It's time to put a wrong right. He'd never liked his wife, although they did they did have two daughters by this point. Imagine that Valentine's evening. (laughs) Yeah. He did, however, love a maid of the court, a young woman named Theodoti. He decided, therefore, to nun his wife in order so he could spend more time with his mistress. Oh. Yeah. This sent shockwaves of scandal throughout the court. But then Constantine was off again, this time to fight the Caliphate raids yet again, and this time he was successful. That's another bit of battling where he's done all right. Then, back to the capital, he decides to celebrate his new victory by marrying his true love. Oh, so because he nunned his old wife, is she no longer his wife? And therein lies the rub. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is far too much for the patriarch Tarausius. Like, Maria's still alive, and this is clearly adultery, this is against God. Many in the church were getting fed up of this young emperor who did whatever he wanted, did not care for traditions, especially since his mother was still around. Still, Constantine didn't care, and he held a 40-day celebration for his marriage to Theodoti. So I'm guessing the people probably quite like that. Yeah. 40-day party's always good. Yeah. Tiring, though, near the end. Like, yeah. day 38, thinking, oh, do you know what? <laughs> I'd be happy being back at work. Yeah. It's too much wine. I'm just really in the mood for a cup of tea and an Excel spreadsheet. And an early night. Yeah, that's all I want now. Just give me an early night. Yeah. But still, Constantine's feeling good. He's got his new wife. His recent battles have gone well. He's now emperor in his own right. In fact, he's feeling so good, he refused to pay the Bulgar tribute that year. Hmm. (laughs) I think he's forgotten. (laughs) Well... Cardam, the Bulgar king, sent a, a sharply worded letter to the emperor. Oi, money now. Pretty much, I'll quote. Either pay me tribute, or I will advance upon the Golden Gate and devastate Thrace. Constantine carefully worded his response. He sat down and thought about it carefully. <laughs> he wrote down, I have sent you tribute. And he sent that message with a towel. And within the towel was... Loads of horse dung. Oh, you can tell he's young, can't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can tell he's giggling to himself yeah. as he's wrapping up the horseman. Yard. This is so clever. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna see the funny side. There's only a job. I'm not, you know, I'm, we've got the tribute here. We'll, we'll pay them. Of course we will, guys. Guys? <laughs> yeah. His message went on. You are an old man, and I do not want you to grow weary... So I will come to you. Oh, so he's okay. So he's, he said three things. He's uh, sent a poo. He sent poo. He's gone. Ah, you're old. Yeah. Uh, come on, if you think you're hard enough. Yeah. To the person who utterly devastated him just a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's screwed. <laughs> so he heads into Bulgarland, and again, Kardam and Constantine face off. But this time. The stalemate ended with the Bulgars retreating without a fight. We don't really have any more details on that. Obviously, Kardam just went, you know what, not worth it. Mm. He's got more troops this time. He's got more experience. He's, he's won a couple of things recently. So, yeah. Fair enough. Okay, he doesn't beat the Bulgars, but compared to last time, that's, that's a tick in the wing column. I'm sure he felt that way anyway. Oh, Constantine. Yeah. So, he Can heads you... back to the capital. He found that many in the church, though, despite his recent successes, were still very unhappy with him. Theodotes' uncle, so his new wife's uncle, was a man named Plato, and uh, he he really, really hated him. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Plato was well-respected within the church, and he was being very vocal about how the emperor's marriage to his niece was against God. Constantine imprisoned Plato and then rounded up anyone in the church he suspected of agreeing with the man and then had them all beaten and exiled. Oh. Yeah, like you do. So his uh, popularity, already rock bottom in the church, now hit an even further low. Found a crack somewhere and just got got down deep into that crack. It's it's really... Just keep going down. Yeah. It's below the rock. It was magma. Magma low. (laughs) In the mantle. Yeah. (laughs) The general population still preferred Irene. Only the army were really on his side. Mm-hmm. The next year, while on a quick break at some nearby baths, Constantine received news that his wife was giving birth to a son. So Aww. he rushed back to the capital, too excited to think about the fact that he had left his mother and several leading men on their own in the baths. So they Ooh. could perhaps plot. Or Valentine's Day. Or Valentine's Day. <laughs> 
Yeah, so you probably thought very little of this. Later on that year, however, more Arab raids occurred at the border, so again Constantine heads off, but soon received word that the Muslim forces had retreated back to the Caliphate. Yeah. Okay, fair enough, he thinks, and he turns round. By the time he gets back home, however, he received even more news. The raids hadn't stopped, and in fact, they were still going on, and he had abandoned his citizens. Oh. Yeah, if you remember this from Irene's episode, mm. this was Irene starting to bribe people yes. to give her son false information. Yes. Yes. Oh, brilliant. So Constantine would have been furious. Whether he suspected his mother at this point, we have no idea, no. but he obviously would have realised he'd been betrayed by someone. Anyway, not long after this, he heads off of the Hippodrome to see the games. A typical thing to do. After the games, he left the arena and headed through the city to the Church of St. Mama. St. what? St. Mamas. St. Mamas. Yeah. It's a good, good yeah, name for church. Same <laughs> <Saint> Emma. <laughs> While riding through the city, his retinue was suddenly attacked by none other than the palace guard themselves. Ooh. In the panic, Constantine VI was able to get away, and he made his way to the docks. He boarded one of the warships there and crossed the Bosphorus, and he needed a plan urgently. Now, by this point, he must have known it was his mother plotting against him. Mm. So he knew he needed forces. The anatomic theme uh, in the middle of Anatolia uh, were always friendly to him, so he'd go there, he thought. As long as I can get to the middle of Anatolia, pick up my forces, I'll be safe. However, a few days into the journey, and again, we have no details, but it would appear he was suddenly seized by his own troops. At least two of his friends he was travelling with were both in the pocket of Irene, and they turned against him. So he must have just been there, chatting about plans for the future, and mm. suddenly his two friends just nod at the guards. They stand behind him, pull out their swords. Sad. They run him through. No, 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 not just yet. Just arrest him. Just arrest him. Oh, of course, yes! Oh, of course, yeah, no, we've got, oh, yes. got even sad a bit, yeah. Because then he is taken back to the capital, marched into the palace, and locked into the very room he was born in, where he spent several hours all alone, just drinking Ribena and nibbling aubergines, until the door opened. In marched some men. He was held down. Ugh. And his eyes were torn out. We don't know how he died. Um, <laughs> eyes being pulled out. <laughs> well, there are, there is some suggestion he survived for several years. Um, some okay. suggestion that it was soon after this, uh, but he certainly never heard of again. Or saw of again. <laughs> no, it's not funny. Shouldn't laugh. No. And there you go. That's Constantine. Oh. Poor Constantine. I feel a little bit sorry for him. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. He didn't do anything terrible. No, true. He didn't deserve his mother to rip his own eyes out. No, that was a bit harsh. Yeah. Should we rate him? Yeah. Fightius Maximus. Okay, I know we laughed a lot at him last week for how terrible he was, but it's not actually as bad as it first seems this round. No. Towards the end, he put down the revolt uh, that the Armenic theme had started. He also pushed back against the Caliphate raiders, and he stared down the Bulgars and yeah. forced them to retreat. So he put down a revolt, pushed back some raids from both frontiers. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That said, his early military career was awful. <laughs> it's really bad. 
the loss against the Bulgars was really terrible. We don't have the numbers, but we can infer that this defeat was far larger than any win during his rule. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah. Yeah. The Bulgars were also more united and more secure after this. And yes, they didn't fight for the Tribune to continue, but the Bulgars are now a solid force, and we're going to see that come back in future episodes. Well, they're still here. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, not great. Yeah. But not not awful. I don't no. think we're in one or two territory, but I don't think we're even half-mark territory. <laughs> no, the highest I think I can go is about three, and that's what I'm giving. Yeah, me too. That's, that sounds good. Six. Caprovium crazy. Okay, so he's got a little bit. He blinded his uncle and cut out the tongues of his other uncles. Which, okay, I know blinding and mutilation is relatively common in this day and age, but it's still horrific, and they're his uncles. It's true. Yeah. That's it. Did you take context into account here? Because do slightly, perhaps, mm. but we gave Irene points in this round for ripping the eyes out of her son, and he's ripping the that eyes out of his uncles. No, that's very one son, five uncles. <laughs> well, what is Are the they equal? ratio? <laughs> son to uncle ratio. I, I don't know. <laughs> Well, that's a good talking point. Yeah, it is. Listeners, let us know. What do you think? <laughs> um, he also nunned his wife and married another wife while she was still alive, which was obviously bigamy. Mm. Yes, which uh, would have been seen as far worse than the ripping out of eyes and tongues at the time. It's worse than smaller me. So. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, and he also tattooed the faces of a thousand people. It doesn't oh. say personally, but I'd like to think it was. Oh, I think, like, he started really creatively. And then got a bit bored in the end, so just... Oh, no, I think the other way around. I think the first oh. ones were really messy. Oh. <laughs> by the end, these amazing designs. Yes. Yeah. That's what started the Maori movement. Yeah, exactly. They just look fantastic. It, it was, wasn't really a punishment if you were number 998. You just, oh, yeah. you just looked badass by the end. Or 666. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah. So, badass. he's got a little bit. Um, two, two or three. I no, no, I might go to four. Really? Yeah, come on, there's his uncles. And that, that marrying someone whilst you already have a wife oh, yeah. as the emperor is actually yes. a biggie. That is a biggie. Yeah. It's I'd, not like craziness, though, is it? Or a problem? It, it would have been at the time, though. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I'll, I'll match the I mean, to four. be fair, it would be today. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, four for me, then. Yeah, I mean, no one dies horribly because of it, but his uncles did. We've got that for that. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy with my four. Might even go to five. No, not five. <laughs> Eight. Success. Okay, he stopped the tribute to the Bulgars, uh, but then he had caused them to begin with. So I don't think he can get credit for that. So I'm guessing they must have paid tributes as well beforehand. Well, only because he lost the battle against them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so it's not like we didn't pay anything at all. It's sort of like, actually, yeah, we, we also paid quite a bit. But I decided to stop it eventually. Yeah, so it's not great, is it? Yeah. Um... It's like hitting yourself in the face and starting to stop. Yeah, he didn't do anything, did he? Um, no. Most under his rule that was good was his mother, and we've already covered that in her episode. Yeah. So, um, in fact, the Empire's worse off, you could argue. Yeah. I can't see any reason to give him a point. No, me neither. Was there anything? He did sign the second Nicene Council, saying the icons could come back. But that was, that was Irene. He just signed it. Yeah. No. No, one for being there. Go on, I'll be nice. Yeah, but you could have been there. It doesn't mean but you I did wasn't. anything. Julius Caesar wasn't there. 
Yeah, that's he why I'm not giving him the... a point. <laughs> you can give him none if you want. I think he needs to be separated to the likes of Quintillus, though. Yeah, but he's already got eight. He's already got okay, more. Okay, he's always got fine. 14. Nine. Not nine? No, no. Zero. <laughs> I've written zero. nine now. <laughs> I don't know where that nine came from. Yeah, zero. Fine, you convinced me. Image of This is exciting. Is it? Oh, yeah. We're finally getting to the point in history where people are starting to draw things. They learn to draw in this they time. They learn to draw. Wow. It's not quite contemporary. This is from a book called The Menologian of Basil II. Basil II? The, oh, yeah, Basil II. Uh, this is a service book created around the year 1000 for Basil II. Okay. Yeah, so so a couple of hundred years off. Okay. But I don't care, I'm counting it. Uh, because <laughs> This is exactly what he looked like. <laughs> yeah, it might not be. But let's face it, the coins certainly aren't what he actually looked like because the uh, coins true. are awful at the moment. Yeah, so we got something else. So do you want to see it? Here we go. There he is at the Second Council of Nicaea. I'm guessing, he's, he, I'm guessing that one. Yes, you spotted him right away. There he's the he youngest is. one. He's the young one without a beard. He Okay. Um, you know how it's Valentine's Day? Yeah. You know his chin? Yeah. It looks like a body part. It's not a flattering chin, is it? It's not a flattering chin at all. Um, you, you know the part I mean. Or parts, I mean. <laughs> the two parts. The, the two dangly parts, yeah. Yeah. It That's does. what his chin Oh, no, it's his like. beard, isn't it? It's meant to be like... It doesn't look like his beard. It's meant to be like a bum-fluffy beard, I think. Mm, yeah. Not good styling. No, not great. But I'm loving all the detail. We've got his nice little crowny thing. Yes. We've got his, his curly hair. We've got his massive hula hoop thing around his head <laughs> which that was obviously a fashion statement at the time big yeah. red circle around your head yeah. and he's oh what's he carrying in his in his left hand i don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm going to generously say that's maybe a pen <laughs> or uh, a carrot <laughs> oh bright pink carrot um <laughs> yeah so um it has a head <laughs> That. Does everyone else have one of these? No, he's the only one holding one of that. <laughs> okay, we'll post this up so you can see. But let's face it, he's holding a dildo. <laughs> so, there we go. <laughs> um, All these are just wondering what the buzzing sound is. <laughs> <laughs> the meeting. I, I know, in a way, we shouldn't really give him more points because we find the image funny, but that's kind of what this round's about. <laughs> yes. He's managed to get a near-contemporary image that we quite like, so I'm going to score him quite highly. I'm, I'm scoring him, like, nine. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, if we actually look at his face, he's got a big nose. He's really like, aged as well. Yeah, a bit of side-eye to the person next to him. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to go, go eight. Uh, yeah, I'm going to match eight, I think. I think that's a, a very... Accurate score. Okay, that is four for Emma Jo Fascia. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, um, hang on. There's his coin in case you want to see it. Why has he got two sets of lips? I don't know. But I'm just so glad to get away from these awful coins. So, yeah. there we go. Ugh. That's his coin. Right, next round. Well, we kind of already know how long he lasted. We're not counting his first ten years because right. he was too young. And uh, then he ruled for seven years before okay. he was killed, or at least deposed. So that is seven years, which is 0 0.88, which gives him a score of 18.88. Nah. Yeah. Not as awful as I first thought it was going to be. No. And I do I... feel sorry for him. Yeah. But He's sort of born into it, wasn't he, really? Does he have it? Does he have a certain genesis? Yeah, no. Definitely not. No. No. 
So there you go. That is the poor Constantine Six. Oh well. Oh, he says I'm right. I mean, he took an army that was scared of the dark. <laughs> Fight for him. Just shouldn't do it, should he? On night raids as well. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for listening to this almost like a recappy episode. Covered mm. a lot of ground we've already covered <laughs> yeah. before. Uh, but there you go. We've got to rate them all. So, That's true. Yeah. Make sure you check out Wonders of the World podcast. Yep. Uh, wonderful podcast. Uh, very enjoyable. And to our listeners as well, you know, wish Rob a happy birthday, even though it'll be post-birthday. Unless you're listening to this next year on February the 14th. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so thank you very much. Thanks for listening. You know, don't forget the Facebook, Twitter thing, Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff. That's great. So all that needs to be said then is... Do you care for a tattoo, sir? Goodbye. Goodbye. Lights out! We've got a battle tomorrow night. Let's get some sleep. <laughs> Paulus, Paulus, is, is that you whimpering? <laughs> what on earth are you whimpering for? It's so dark. What? What do you mean it's dark? Of course it's dark. It's night time. I don't like it. This is Sergeant Lily with nightlight on. What? We, we never... We never have a nightlight. I, I want a home. Yes, but we've been in the army for six months, Paulus. You've never had a problem with the dark before. But normally at night, I have my eyes closed. I can't tell it's dark. What? I just open them. Oh, God. Well, uh, Paulus, what are you doing? I can't need support. You can't get into bed. Oh, right. No, you are now in bed with me. Hold me. I'm not holding you, Paulus. I'm so alone. We're in a room with literally 300 other men, Paulus, who can all hear this. I'm so scared. What are you scared of? There are things in the dark that we can't see. Because it's dark. Yes, but there's nothing actually scary, is there? I'm scared for a reason. What? What possible reason is there to be scared? I think... There's something under us. Under under us? Un, under the bed? Yes. Yes, that's Lucius. You stepped over him to get up onto the bunk bed. Uh. Oh, for God's sake, come here. Uh.